0: Lot Talk Radio. Good evening, and blessings, and welcome to another installment of the History of Freedom State. This show is produced by a plain historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist Five, 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 two. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's show, The Gifts of Freedom. I'm your host. My name is Preston Washington. My guest tonight is Cleo Manigo. Mr. Manigo is an associate political analyst and also a behavioral health expert. And he's been a frequent contributor and commentator on the News One show on TV One. Uh, with Roland Martin Good evening, uh, Mr. Manico. Uh
1: Good evening. It's Monago, just so you can have a that. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Monago. Monago. Mm-hmm. thank you. Yes.
0: Yeah, I'd like to turn our attention to focus in Missouri um, What kind of insight can you give us in terms of that behavior that we see playing out there in Ferguson, Missouri?
1: Well, I was there directly and spent time in Ferguson and did lots of in-depth interviewing. And um, my inspiration for going there, and this was several months ago now, maybe a month after everything started, was two, two months, as a matter of fact, because I was intrigued that the resistance and protests lasted so long. Because in the case of Trayvon Martin and Sean Bell and Amadou Diallo and so many other people, there was initial reaction but it died down within a month's time or less. And for the first time that I knew about, there was a continued ongoing, not a relentless resistance um, in response to a, a young black male being murdered. And I was intrigued. So I went to Ferguson to see for myself and find out from the residents there what was going on and what led them to such a strong reaction. Well, in context, the difference between Ferguson, for example, and a suburb of Florida or New York, is that in, a, in Florida as well as New York has so much activity going on that relative to Ferguson, the uh, level of racism could be could be um, eclipsed by all the other activity that's going on—the lights, the camera, New York, and all this activity. Same with Florida, but Ferguson. It's too simple of a place to hide or eclipse the level of racism in law enforcement that's there, which frankly is everywhere. I used to work in law enforcement in Los Angeles.
0: And what's your take on this new turnabout Uh, that happened in New York where a police officer um, was shot, which seemed to be unrelated uh, to the young man that was strangled to death. And here recently in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, two police officers were shot, which is connected to uh, the demonstrations that were going on there. just well, what can we expect
1: more of that? No, just just like in the case of New York, um, one person in this instance, he had nothing even to do with New York. He wasn't even from New York. Um, this an individual did something on his own uh, in the same context or time frame as all the protesting in New York, there's no connection. Um, The majority of people, by a long shot, who are involved in protests in Ferguson have no interest in shooting anybody. So there is no protest at large connection to an individual's decision to do something like that. So um, they, 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 they they really have no direct connection. So I mean, somebody's shooting a cop right now somewhere, and the cop is killing somebody somewhere right now in this country only way there would be a connection at all is if it got some notice through somebody else's smartphone or video but cop yeah. killings happen all the time cop killings happen all the time and cops get killed not as much as they not, not as much as they do kill themselves in terms of killing others but cops get killed or harmed all the time that's part of the job
0: yeah uh, what i meant by connection uh, apparently this happened i don't have all the the full details this apparently happened while people were demonstrating there near the police headquarters and both the uh protesters and the police were taking cover. So what I meant by connection it was in such close proximity uh, to the protest, uh, as relative well, my, to Michael Brown's. Well my murder. response
1: to my response is that the Racist and and so-called right-wing white folks and all kinds of conservatives who aren't even there and have never even seen these protests directly and don't even understand the community of Ferguson are making this instant, convenient connection. And my point is, even if somebody in the crowd decided to shoot some cops, like you just got finished saying, both the cops and protesters were running for cover. Because it wasn't a protester decision, it was some individual deciding to do something. So it's not a, it's not the what protesters do. It's what an apparent individual did.
0: Okay. Um, speaking of what's going on there in terms of the power structure, which is predominantly made up of white males. And I'm familiar with this concept of internalized oppression and that would identify black folks in terms of internalizing the lies that have been told about them. Yes. Is there such a thing as internalized superiority amongst uh those people in power, those white males in uh Ferguson that gives them the well, notion that they can
1: in the United take black States lies at will? In the United States, and I've I've literally studied and observed this some years ago um, in terms of the cause and effect of the media, the educational system, the political system, the presidential system up until Obama became president, who's half white, and I think that's significant. Um, This society all relentlessly implies that white people are superior. So not only do white people internalize it, everybody else does. It would be difficult not to when that's, when that's all you are taught. Even the English language itself implies that white people are more human and more valuable than the rest. For example, and there's tons of them, there's no such thing as the term black slavery, but there is such thing as the term white slavery because in the United States, slavery is already considered a black phenomenon, so it's redundant to have the word black to the word slavery, which is already racist But if white people are enslaved or, or there's trafficking through sexual Trafficking, whatever, it's called white Slavery, and it's considered particularly Appalling and horrendous for somebody To do, so there's already A hierarchy and a, and a um, Implication of White people being particularly precious Like Natalie Natalie, um, I forgot her last name but the, But the lady, the young lady Who was missing in the Caribbean Natalie Holloway, that was her name. When when yeah. when blonde when blonde Natalie Holloway came up missing, we heard about it for several years. That that uh, this 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 damsel in distress, this precious white girl, was missing. And as you already probably remember, the first people that were 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 arrested were some black men um, who were harassed and tortured and locked up. When indeed it was a white male who killed her and continues to kill other women. So, my point of raising that is that um, it's easy in the the Western world, including the United States, for white people to feel superior. One case that happened late last year was this blonde kid. I don't remember his name now, but there was this blonde kid who killed a baby. And he said that he would likely get off because he's a cute little white blonde kid. And the judge heard that, heard about that, and, of course, threw the book at him. But he already had the mindset that because of his look and his blonde hair, very confidently he thought he would get away with it. So you can call it internalized white supremacy, as I call it,
2: or you can call
1: it a logical side effect of being in the vicinity of the United States.
0: Well, do you have any advice? What advice would you give to youngsters out there?
1: Um, Which ones? Black youngsters, particularly. See, one of the mistakes that black parents make is that they don't teach their children that it, racism is unfair. They te- they imply that it's inconvenient as opposed to unfair, because we try to move on and have a quote unquote better life, and and we don't want nobody to be mad at nobody. Plus, on a unconscious level, we feel like white people are superior, so we don't want to intrude. So we te- we um teach our kids, you know, don't act a certain way and, you know, watch your behavior, but we don't teach them enough that racism is unfair and they and that they live in a society that is basically ran by bullies and it's unfair and we need to not fall for the messaging of inferiority because it's not true. And they need to understand history and be real clear about the fact that they have to walk through this society with a critical eye and watch the media and everything else with a critical eye, because there are unfair, incorrect messaging that comes from among the people that built, it, that um, conceived—not built, because black people built it—but that conceived this place called the United States. We gotta, we gotta start telling them the truth. We don't tell our kids the truth. They, they, they celebrate the, 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 the you know um, Easter Bunny and Santa Claus with a fat white man coming down. The, we can't do that. That's dangerous. We have to tell our children the truth and affirm them simultaneously as human beings who are still worthy of the best in the world and and a good life. But we have to prepare them to to learn, to to discern the negative messaging that's all over the place in this culture. Like there's a show that I'm sure you've heard of that's on TV called Empire. Empire is racist as hell. It's full of anti-black messaging. And there's a lot of young black people watching that show, loving and having a good time, who are, who don't even recognize the anti black implications because they have not been taught to. I would mm, give very you.
0: Yeah, very interesting point there on Empire. I've not watched that show as of yet. Uh I'm interested. You were uh, in that area focusing the very spent a great deal of time. Can you kind of set for our listeners um the other little communities there, like Jennings, fluorescent, and how that St. Louis or North, what they call North County, these cities along there I seventy and whatnot that are predominantly black, et cetera. Do you know much of that history? How did that? How did that happen? That these little small communities was that the racism in St. Louis proper that uh, forced well, people out was- of these small communities.
1: Those areas became black for the same reason that most communities become black, because of either white flight or they being the land being historically undesirable. Now they once were white communities, as I mentioned before. Like I'm from Compton, California, which is where Snoop Dogg and lots of black people who are well known in hip hop are from. Um, it used to be all white, but some black people moved in, and then slowly but surely all the white people left. So that's a, that's a cliche way of how, um, black communities are created.
0: And in some respects going back historically, when we had successful black communities, such as Rosewood and black wall street and, um, uh, flourish and it was a matter of, um, jealousy, racism, and full force that ran those uh, black folks out of those communities. So in the same context, could we say that those blacks in Ferguson were banished from St. Louis and forced to move to Ferguson?
1: Well, they were encouraged to move to Ferguson because, as mentioned before, see, white people are very strategic. Um, like, it's not a coincidence that the law enforcement is all-white and the surrounding communities predominantly black. Those kind of geographical phenomena result from white decision making. Always. And on top of that, often that's changing a lot. And white flight and the other circumstances I mentioned that lead to creating black, all black working class or poor communities. These communities exist. White people don't have to do any hardcore um banishing of black people out of these communities, as a matter of fact rosewood and 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 um so called greenwood and tulsa um that's a that's a that's a very blatant situation where these were opulent prosperous black communities in a racist society that needed white people to be superior so they couldn't handle that that was not true. Just like when Barack Obama gave his first congressional speech, he was called a liar. Remember that?
0: Oh, I remember that, yes.
1: They couldn't handle that he was up there articulate with black parentage, identified as black, articulate in the president of the United States, and they couldn't take it. Just like back in the day doing Rosewood and there's other similar Rosewoods all across the country, the white superiority myth that some white people rely on to feel good about themselves, they couldn't take it. So they went and destroyed the community and lied about a rape and murdered and burned and did what they really wanted to do. Well, places like Ferguson weren't created through burning. Also, Ferguson was never an opulent black community. Now, since a lot of people in this country have never been there, it's not a poor, impoverished um, slum either. It's really not. I mean, the Canfield Arms Apartments, which is where Michael Brown was murdered, are is a nice place. It's a nice, well kept uh, community of apartments. Green grass, um, not dilapidated at all. But it's not an independent black owned community. It's, pretty, it's basically a white rented. It's a, it's a community by black people live in that's owned by white people. So it's not the same dynamic as Rosewood or what do you think
0: about the? Uh, what's your take on these recent uh, resignations there in uh, Ferguson? Police chief, uh, labor
1: prosecutor, city administrator. I t- I think that they. Um, well, see, I don't I don't know enough of the details to be fully impressed by their resignation. They could have already been on the road to resignation, and uh, it looks interesting because it's connected to in terms of time frame, as it appears to the situation, but who knows they might've been on their way or looking for an, a, an angle at which to, to resign and probably are going to resign with some, you know, some real good pensions, et cetera. Um, but I also think there's a, there's a huge possibility that they, they, they perceive a changing of the tide and or a loss of absolute power. And among some people, particularly racist people, They can't have absolute power. They don't want nothing.
0: Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Only reason we're hearing about these incidents now is because of smartphones and modern technology and some people being relentless enough to make sure that people know. But there's more cases than not that we don't hear about. As a matter of fact, even in the black psyche, black male criminality is such a normal thing that we don't even blink when we see a, a, a black male being handcuffed and led away and ordained in the street. Even our subconscious impo- um, um, deduction is, well, he, you know, he must've did something. <laughs> so what that must've did something mentality, there's lots of people being killed left and right and incarcerated and their lives destroyed all the time. So my Focus is on the importance of policy change and black self-conceptual and impulse change because we're not designed on a collective basis to protect ourselves. I mean, black men have been and black women as well have been murdered by the cops for for decades. Say nothing new. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a dude, Diallo died what ten twenty years ago. Um, you know this is not new period, and yeah, we're panthers not in Philadelphia well, that's why the panthers that's why the Black Panthers came into existence in the first place in the sixties was to fight against this same problem and, and and several of them were murdered, and black people were so busy praying to a white jesus and or feeling inferior or scared that that overall the community we didn't do anything.
0: Mhm,
1: and I'd so we like we're'm sorry, wait, I'm sorry. No, well, on.
0: I wanted to read something here to get your opinion on it um, in reference to the d o j uh, report, which says in part local authorities consistently <laughs> approach law enforcement not as a means for protecting public safety but as a way of generating revenue yeah. holder mm-hmm. said adding that Mm -hmm. racial bias, both implicit and explicit, results in the unconstitutional execution of the law.
1: Again, Again, not new. Uh, The same thing is happening all over this country, in Baltimore, Maryland, in Washington, D.C., everywhere, the same thing. I mean, you heard about stop and frisk in New York. Well, the majority of people who are being stopped and frisked. By a long shot, were black, then Latino, and some of those Latinos were black. But white, but New York is full of white crooks. Among white people, crime is high, and even murder is high. But you know they don't have the stigma that we have, so everything is made into a black faced negative phenomenon. But if you read yeah, FBI, as you,
0: yeah, as you've indicated, this is probably been going on forever. I'm reminded of Sam Pollock's film, uh, Slavery by Another Name, which was based on the book uh, by uh, Douglas Blackman um, and the legal system and uh, how it fed into the political or into the industrial system, uh, the plantation system, etc. What needs to happen in this country Uh, to make this old news and keep it old news and no more new incidents of this type
1: occur. What's it really going to take? Well, let's look at some existing examples of communities, um, just for the sake of argument, that are not white that are doing relatively well um, without having to have an NACP. We need to unlearn being a, thinking in a racialized manner, and learn to be to, to be powerful. We come from a history that has taught us to be racialized because we were racialized brutally to the point of murder quite frequently for for several hundred years in this country. But now we have the in the in, in the modern era, we have the power in our hands at least to do anything we want to do. But our minds are still trapped in. Race thinking And we have to come out of race thinking In terms of a place of deficiency To protection of our tribe And advocacy And affirmation And support of each other Like Asians do Like Jews do Like the white gay community does Like Latinos do They don't think twice About being about their own people White people because of racialization Are called militant. And angry And troubled And troublemaker For caring about black people in specific Or or, or divisive That's racist And it's a white accommodationist perspective That came out of slavery We have to unlearn these slave-based Race-based distractions And learn to have respect for ourselves And honor ourselves As people of African descent in this country And be Learn how to be more mentally healthy with each other because that white folks might be racist toward Asians or that the right wing might be homophobic toward homosexuals or they might not like Latinos overall. they don't give a damn about them liking them or not if you if you harm any of them they you, you got you got you got hell to pay that ain't true when you harm us because we're not collectively operating in you in, in concert on each other's behalf. We have we have mixed loyalties. We don't know whether to um be loyal to white supremacy or to black health and functionality. We don't know.
0: Okay, so you mentioned um you know organizations such as NAACP et cetera so am I hearing you correctly in terms of we need more individuals coming to the fore. I'm thinking of the time that lynchings were legal here in the United States and uh Ida B. Wells got involved and made a difference. Right. Um, so are we as black people gonna have to take an individual stance? Okay. Okay, getting back um, getting
1: back to your que- getting back to your question about individuals. No, I, I, I think I I think going individual is a mistake. Um Just to be clear here, I think organizations like the NACP and of organizations that I just mentioned to you are from an – they're antiquated. They're from another age. All they basically do is, in most cases, is push white-faced Christianity and basically an old-school, back-in-the-day motif that is not helpful now. We need – Frankly, we need the kind of discussions that Malcolm X was trying to get us to have before he was murdered. We need to. And hello, Mr. Actively-
2: Manago This is Leslie yes. Gist But I have a quick question. Since sure. the institution of the anti Christian movement, and I want to compare <clears throat> the, the Christian movement from the 1700s, starting with um, the one I'm familiar with the most, which is Richard Allen. Right. and his African-free, right. um, his African-free uh, benevolent society. From that movement all the way up to the end of slavery and the civil rights, to the the beginning, and I want you to compare that era and the success they had to the beginning of the anti-Christian movement. And I want you to tell me which movement had the most success,
1: well, when Richard Allen was alive, which was in the 1700s, and which was a time when rage, when blatant racism and blatant slavery was undeniable, we were very clear then about the race, the brutal race context that we were facing then. And even though Richard Allen had a relative amount of success through the context called Christianity, because that was the only context we were allowed we were not allowed to do anything but church, even though it was called the black but church. But let me but let the- me let, let
2: me let let me just interject. Sure. We were once you were free, you could you could have worshipped whoever you wanted to, Buddha. All the religions were available, which they are today. So when we talk about free Africans who were formerly enslaved, they had the choice to go back to their roots and practice the religion that they, they um originally practiced, the the parents practice. In fact, Richard Allen went back to Africa and also identified with Africa <laughs> to the point that he was sued by the white establishment, the church, because he wanted sovereignty and he wanted right. to be he wanted to govern his own church. So these right. were pro pan African black men in the seventeen hundreds who not under anybody's um uh, uh, um, by any force were told that they had to be Christians, they decided to be Christians when the whites didn't want them to be Christians. And not only were they Christians here, they took that missionary um, business back to Sierra Leone and different places in Africa. So, again, and it's not just you. I pose this question to uh, most people who come on the show and they say, well, you know, the Christian movement didn't work. I like to know what did the non-Christian movements do as far as civil rights and and abolishing slavery. Just give me some some example, as because all I've seen okay, so far since okay. the Christians haven't been in existence, a decline.
1: Well, if you listen, if decline. you listen to the, if you listen back to the show, which I, which you, I'm sure you will, I never said what didn't and did not work. I never I never articulated something working or not working. What I said was that the Christian Church, and I specifically talk about having a plan to a white Jesus, was did impact how we saw things and how we did things. Now, work mm-hmm. or not work is a relative thing. Also, right. one thing I have to also bring context to is that back during during the slavery period and during the mid 1700s, when Richard Allen was alive, a whole lot of other religious opportunities or choices was not even known. So so Buddhism, for example, would have not been an option in the psyche as something that people can do. Now, going back to Africa would have been, because some of us longed to do that, and Richard Allen did that. But his frame of reference, and the frame of reference that most black people had was English, number one. They didn't even speak their own languages anymore. And in most parts of the country, whether they were Richard Allen or not, their african spiritual concepts had been had been drowned out and that was not their frame of reference except for some kind of distant memory for most of well, us well we right also now, have just...
2: paul we also have paul cuffey who was a quaker and he's a very right. well off black abolitionists who were pan african and he traveled right. the world we had many right. um black abolitionists because they couldn't get educated here who went all over the world to be educated in the 1700s? So they were exposed to different. Mm-hmm.
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sneezing. I'm sorry. I was sneezing.
2: Oh, okay. So they were exposed Finish. to different. They were. They were to different religions. Uh, you know, many of them spoke different languages. Even Paul Robeson spoke 25 different languages. fluently. so you know, when we try to. Um, describe our our black um, freedom fighters from the slave era as people being ignorant and weren't exposed to anything. They were more exposed and more intelligent than the people today, and especially the ones in the 60s. They, they, with very little money and um, education, they were able to go throughout the world and be educated. And to well, network without any, without any uh, internet, Facebook. So, I think we need to give them more respect when we talk about um, them being exposed to languages. You know, well, you read their see, books, you, their you, narrative.
1: But you're, but you're bringing in new people. See, the fir- first you we were talking about Richard Allen, and then you went to Paul Robinson, et cetera. I understand and what Paul you're saying, Coffee. and I and and, and Paul Coffey, and I agree. But I mean, what, but I, what I think inspired you to even ask me these questions. Was what appeared from you as me having a critique of Christianity, and but sure. I go back to my to my uh, so my, my point to you, and I still stick with that, is that we're, those people that you mentioned were exceptions. Uh, Paul Robinson worked in no. the arts. No, they weren't. They were not. Let me fin- They were not. Let me finish my point. You got to let me finish. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I was getting go ready ahead. to say. Okay. There's only one Richard Allen. He's 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 the first leader. He's the one who initiated the AME Church. He's the only one. Then you have Paul Robeson, who was who was also the only person that was able to get where he got to in the arts, and that's an act, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: was able to travel the world and learn and 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 learn languages. And and white folks have always allowed at least one or two <laughs> to, to look to to, to like Oprah. We got Oprah now. And it's not that listen! listen, listen. I
2: gotta stop you. With all due respect. Richard Allen's church is still standing, and I have about 12 books which are based on AME ministers. Their church is thriving in at least 33 countries. Richard Allen duplicated himself, so it's not just one Richard Allen. If it was just one Richard Allen, when he died, his church would have died. So what we're doing no, now, no, and when no. you say that, but when you say that, you sound like Martin Luther King's speech when he says, you know, we're the drum major. And that's the white mentality. Uh, what Malcolm uh, what, no, uh, no, said, no. that, you know, the, the Negro first, you got the Negro first syndrome. You know, you got a, the first. And, no, and I make no, no, sure. No. See,
1: see you're, I, think you're, you're, I think you're hearing me through your perspective instead of the nuance of what I'm saying. I'm very familiar. Mm-hmm. With, I used to go to AME church. I know a lot about Richard Allen, so when I say there's mm-hmm. Richard Allen, I mean there's only one man named Richard Allen who started this empire. So you're, what you're talking about is that there's many people that came after him and that he trained or created a context that helps to educate and, and, and continue to this day. I'm I'm, I'm real clear right. about that. But but, but right. what, so so that, so that, so what I'm saying does not contradict that or challenge that fact. That cannot be denied. But right. what I'm saying, which you, which still might bother you, is that. The the model, which is what I said in the first place before you were were compelled to tell me about um, the church, et cetera, was that mm-hmm. it's an old model. It's an old model. It's an old institution, and it's mm-hmm. not it's not prepared in the modern world to stop the 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 advent of the murder of black people and these things that are going on. It's an old model, and it's a, and it's a Christian model. It's, it's, I would a lot say of- it's been,
2: it has been infiltrated. I will agree with you that it has been infiltrated with the new model. I agree. I think the old model works perfectly. But today we have these these ministers called uh, Dollar, Preflow Dollar. We have Reverend Price. Um, we have this prosperity uh, preaching. We have even um, Mother Bethel has a bunch of fraternity uh, stained glasses all over the the church so I think the church has been infiltrated by these new models that everybody thinks is going to work but since we have been adopting the ways of the oppressor and have been looking for money and thinking that money is going to solve these things and we have lost brotherhood which is a Christian premise we no longer have the brotherhood of the Christian premise that ended slavery so I want to know what new model that you suggest we use or what new model has helped us out since well, the formation think, of the Antichrist movement, have we improved? That's think, the one question I'm asking you. Well, have I we don't improved think since that. the introduction? I'm I'm going to say it. I promise I'll be quiet. Have we improved since the since the introduction of the Antichrist model as a black race? Have we improved in our civil rights movement, or have we digressed? That's all I'm asking.
1: Well, I'm not an expert on the Antichrist movement. I mean, I can't give you a whole lot of talk about the Antichrist movement. I'm not a part of that movement. I don't know much about the Antichrist but, movement.
2: Well, when you say that but the I Christian can, movement isn't working, so that's why you said, you know, maybe you can articulate my question, and I, I can but I think you understand what I'm asking you. Since this movement of saying that Christianity hasn't been working since the 60s or 50s, have we made any strides? with any other model that equals or parallel to the Christian movement?
1: Well, you, you, just, you, you answered some of my questions when you mentioned that the church has been infiltrated. And there is no model happening right now. First of all, the church right now is basically, and you might be offended by this, but I'm just going to tell you, well, I'm asking you to no, talk about your movement. The, the, I'm not asking you, the about, you about the
2: church. I, I'm giving you a platform to promote the movement that you think is working. I know about the church, and we all know about the church, but I'm asking you, this is your, your time to say, this is a working model.
1: Let's go with this one, okay. and this is why. Okay, Th- then I'll go back to what I said earlier in the show when I was talking to the, to, to, to the guy. What's, what will work and what I'm involved in, and I haven't called it a movement but, I mean, it could be, but I'm talking about a strategy more than anything right now that I've seen. Well, let me give you context. In order for me to if you understand what I'm saying, I've got to give you the context. My 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 perspective is this. Black people are in a trance. Black people have been traumatized and disappointed and misled into a trance state where we've become basically asleep at the wheel and just trying to survive as opposed to thrive. We are a community that's been easily to exploit because we're not in control. Mm-hmm. We we are in a trance and the, the the current church teaches black people to be codependent to a man who's who in my opinion is basically almost like a pimp with a cross and it's a man who basically teaches the whole the whole flock that they need him and to give him money. Okay okay, I'm getting to the answer part. I have to give you context first in terms of what my model is responding to. My, was, my model is responding to that, to that trance state. I have a model called CTCA, which stands for critical thinking and cultural affirmation. There's not even enough time for me to get to all the elements of it, but what it does is it creates a space where black people are, are guided toward going into a sense of self-evaluation and to check themselves against what I call, for lack of a better term, the benefit factor. And do a conscious evaluation of their lives, as if they're living it in benefit of progress, or taking care of their black families, or being an asset to their community. In most cases, when we do our initial testing during the model, most people are not doing any of these things. They're not preparing for prosperity or a black affirming experience. They just, you know, they just live. And they're not, they're not thinking. To co- toward collective black progress. So okay. once I help them, so once I help them through my model, be real clear about where they are. Then they're asked questions that trigger their critical thinking capacity. How do you feel about being who you are? How do you feel about being black? And this is a very abbreviated version. I don't have time to give you the whole the whole thing. And they're okay. asked critical questions. They have critical questions that make them actually take a look at how, frankly, unconscious and for lack of a better term, out of control their lives that they are. Now once they okay. are once they are trickled into a critical thinking way of being, then we do a lot of educating, including a like historical education, including studying about the likes of Richard Allen and how and his original intention and how and, and people okay. like Marcus Gar- Marcus Garvey and other people mm-hmm. who are successful at getting black people to be progressive and loving themselves. Because believe, believe it, or it or not, before I do the trans breaking work, they're not even interested in black people. They don't care about Black history. They don't care mm-hmm. about Black stuff, and they re- and they well, really want to hear from a Black man. I, I got
2: it. Go I got it. But I have to mention that when you say that the people are in a trance, what I what I want to tell you when I talk about infiltration, when we look at the ministers prior to the Civil War, um, like the Nat Turners, and we look mm-hmm. at people who were very active, like Moses, Harriet Tubman. And these people would be punished. And any white person teaching them how to read, especially the Bible, would be punished. So when we talk about the history of the Bible and Christianity, it was not putting black people into a trance. And I think we have this false notion that white uh, missionaries went across the the ocean and stole black people from Africa with the Bible in their hands. And that Africans were that stupid and that meek that they could be tricked after in existence and surviving for centuries that somebody with a Bible and a white could trick these highly intelligent people who could make make, um, pyramids. They would be duped by a Bible. So I first want to, you know, make that clear that my African ancestors weren't stupid and they weren't duped by a Bible and a blue-eyed devil called Jesus. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, first of all, I want
2: you No, 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 and I'm not calling Jesus I'm not calling Jesus blue-eyed devil I'm just saying that this is the story That that we've been told I think I want to mention When I say say infiltrate It was a deliberate Decision to have Martin Luther King replace Vernon Johns Vernon Johns was a very Fiery um, Preacher he was hated by the white establishment. He he was forced out of the church and replaced by Martin Luther King. So when we look at the history of the black minister and especially when we look at them right after the Civil War and Emancipation, it was a, a deliberate um PR uh propaganda Attack waged on the black church and specifically the black minister to call them buffoons because of the success they had. So I just make that clear that um, I'm a proponent of what the church stood for, what the Bible stood for, and I believe the '60s, the, the white man, the government understood the power of the church and the Christian movement to the degree that they put people in place to separate us from the church and our names and our, and our immediate ancestors and to say they had nothing to do with the liberation of their own people, that, was, that it was merely Quakers, Harriet Tubman, and Lincoln. And all other black people just sat around on the plantation eating watermelon and chicken and happy to be a slave. And when I hear black people telling that story, I can understand white people saying it, because they need to say it. But when I hear black people, especially, you know, conscious, so-called conscious black people saying that my ancestors were happy slaves, and meek, and weak, and even if you go back to Africa, that they were just as dumb that they got on the boat willingly with the Bible. I have to interject and, you know, I've done it several times. Preston would tell you. Right, Preston?
1: Right. Well, I, I hear you, sister, but my only concern about what you're saying is that it, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I said or what I think, or it, it's not relevant to me.
2: Okay. Well, maybe I misunderstood. Before listening, if you did say what I thought, or if you think like what I thought Mr. Monago said, I just want to be clear that please respect our ancestors, starting with your grandmother, your grandfather, all the way back to Africa and know that they were very strong people and we were resisting slavery individually, collectively. Um we had writers, we had slave narratives and I don't like to use the word slave, but we had um survivors of slavery writing their own narratives, telling the story of how they uh helped free themselves and once they got free, they were back and
1: helped well, well, Le- well, Leslie, you're like I said before. Mm-hmm. You know, you must be having a, a memory from a, la- a previous interview because everything you just said, I already know and believe and say. Okay. It's part. It's, it's part. Well, well, I'm glad we agree. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's part of my. I talk about how some black people who found a way to be just by themselves out of enslavement bought others out of enslavement. And I'm real mm-hmm. clear on on our history and that we weren't a bunch of dumb Africans. I never said them lights. I never mentioned watermelon. None of that. When
2: well, you mentioned the word they, exception.
1: Well, yeah, but see, what I say, what, what I'm doing is I'm saying things that are triggering you to to, to want to say a bunch of stuff, which is only part of my perspective. You're, you're being triggered because right. when I said that there's only Richard, only one Richard Allen. There is only one Richard right. Allen. I, I, but I'm not saying that what you said, what you just got finished saying, in terms of his legacy and the church being around, is not true. There's all kinds of people. There's, there's Father Divine. There's all kinds of people whose churches are still around, but there's no. not the same church. But it's not the same thing. These these things right now are 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 passive little communities now, and that are people that are pimped, in my opinion, by a quote unquote leader who's making them codependent to him. And here's what he what, what he says, as opposed to building community and defending black people. Richard Allen was defending black people, and back then, mm-hmm. and back then at that time, black people, like I said much earlier before you interjected, we were very, 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 very clear about what our circumstances were. We ain't clear no more. We got black people in, in large numbers who think there is no racism, and who have been successfully trained by ministers, including some that you mentioned, that there is no race problem. And so uh, it, it'd be, it might it, we could be even more clear when we talk about some things that are really um, responsive to how we actually feel. Because I my perspective in terms of what happened in Africa, where I've been many times and researched, my perspective is that it was hardly just the the white face. In my opinion, and from my own research, it goes back to what I said earlier. Breaking laws of the human heart, for example the when the Africans in Nubia and kemet which which white folks named egypt had colleges and universities see one of the da- one of the dangers of having self esteem and having self comfort is that you subjectively think others might have that you don't realize that they don't when you come from a place of self comfort and what I mean by that and 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 in a healthy self-concept. So if that's all you know, you don't know what it's like to be crazy and, and have low self-esteem and, and tripping. For example, when the commission people had colleges and universities, they opened it up to everybody. Anybody could go to their colleges. All over the world, people came to their colleges. But white folks became students to infiltrate. The the The, the Africans didn't know that. They didn't know that. So we're that they thought so they were
2: just mm-hmm. stolen. And to defeat us without us doing something self-destructive.
1: I don't think it's an issue of power. If you go, if you go to the mountains to camp, a lion could eat you up or a bear. That don't mean the bear is smarter than you or better than you. That this has nothing to do with with, with being more powerful. It has to do with timing, context, and circumstance. But I give you a real-to-life situation that occurred. That we don't even mm-hmm. have to be theoretical. You have heard of Patrice Lumumba, right? Yes. Mhm. Patrice Patrice Lumumba was was in was as you know from the so called Congo that white folks called the Congo, and he was concerned. And I'm abbreviating this story to make the point because it's a long story. But he was he was mm-hmm. he was from there. He saw white folks are owning all the the resources and running every. The, the, the diamonds, the gold, the the coal, everything, and he didn't like it. And he saw how white people in their colonial systems were keeping everybody confused and fragmented. So what he did was he successfully organized all these different African communities to come together and work together in unison with each other. When Asians come over here, and I know this because I have a little cousin. I mean, I have a little cousin who's half Chinese. And half black. Of course, the black people are my family, and he lives mm-hmm. with his with his he lives with his Chinese grandparents because his Chinese father is not is not available for to him. But mm-hmm. this is the thing that's interesting about my little cousin. He gets Chinese lessons. He gets he he has a Chinese style. He walks around with a sense of peace. His crazy ass relatives, black, just off the chain. And that kind of discernment and personal peace and, and 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 forethought is why Chinese come over here and they do better than we do. It's not that we're not intelligent. We have been interrupted Leslie. We don't even know mm-hmm. our names. His last name, my my cousin's last name, is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. His mother's mm-hmm. last name is about you know he don't he don't even know it. his mother's his mother has some, some white man's last. Name.
2: But when we talk about names, and I really enjoyed, and I, I'm going to send you a link to Cheryl Wills' interview. And Cheryl Wills is, in, I think, this New York one, and she did research on her great great grandfather who was in the Civil War. Going through these records. And she discovered that her grandfather had a slave name. But then when he um, got his pension, be in the Civil War, they interviewed him, and he changed his name to what we would call another slave name
0: mm-hmm. and
2: He chose to identify with i think an abolitionist or someone of that nature and what I learned from her interview was that many of the um the formerly enslaved black people the slave name because they wanted to be reunited with their with their relatives, because they were, their families mm-hmm. were broken up. And the only mm-hmm. way that they can intellectually stay connected to one another is to keep that plantation name. Now, legally sure. speaking, if you look at any of the slave rosters, they're, 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 the names are only first names. It was illegal mm-hmm. to give a slave a white man's surname. So mm-hmm. when you hear black people saying today, oh, that's a slave name, no, when your people got free, for instance, the people that I'm connected to and have been researching, they changed their name from Gift to Still. They chose the name Still. And you may say, well, that's that's from, that's a European name, but it meant something to them. So when we talk about names and changing your names, um, you, we have to give credit to our ancestors to try to reunite. These people were so desperate to find their loved ones that once they got free they put ads in newspapers with those slave names to say this is who I was, this is the plantation. It was all about being reunited and it was nothing to do with um they love the master. No, they loved each other. Well, of course, of course, so those names uh, well, show course. that much.
1: Well, well of course not. I mean that makes what you're saying right now makes sense. And that's 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 a stretch, a smart strategy. And wish to find other people that were enslaved by the same people, so you can find them. That makes sense as a, in in the context of their lives. They didn't have no choice but to find that name because they didn't know their name. So they're being strategic to find each other. The, the, the Jackson family—I'm not talking about the new Jackson, but the old Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Jacksons are came into being, which is a popular name among blacks and some other names for the same thing that you described. It's still a slave name, but you're talking about right. strategic. You talk about being strategic. Given black people have always ingeniously made something out of what we had, but I'm gonna tell you something. Right. And, that's, and, that's and,
2: and if, if Richard Wright, if Richard Richard Allen would have changed his name to Manago, or Buddha, or Mohammed, they would have never been reunited.
1: Well, I'm if not good for him. I mean, he did. He did what he did. I mean, you know, he didn't.
2: But I'm, th- I'm just saying, if the, if, yeah. in the, if in the 1700s. In the 1800s, if they would have taken on a movement to say, right after the end of slavery, it's more, it's more important to identify with Africa than to be reunited with my family that's here right now, That that's tangible, that I need right now, than to talk about I want to identify with a place um, that I, I know I'm from by the complexion of my skin. But I really want to know where my child is uh, for my of mother. Of course. But of course. My allegiance, now, my allegiance is not to not to my family, but it's to a a landmass, Africa. Which one makes more sense?
1: Well, given the context, it's not even an issue of what makes sense. It's an issue of what they were stuck with, and what and they want to find each other. So they did what you said they, they they're supposed to do. So I mean, that's what happened. So, a lot of so, black this I mean, not slave. You issue know, of, they call it a slave
2: it name. It's not it's it is. a slave name. It is a slave name. All right, so I, my point is your connection starts at home. As you know, you, you hear people always say, Charity begins at home. Your connection is right there in your house.
1: Leslie, first of all, and I'm telling you what I know from constantly traveling around this country all the time. Mm-hmm. And talking to black people all the time Black people don't think about slavery We ain't interested in our history We ain't interested in where we came from Which is a problem So no we're not thinking well, When, when we talk, found, people talk about the that. Jewish
2: people But the Jewish people Have isolated themselves They have their own schools We have our right. own schools We had our own schools But we were forced to integrate They shut down our schools And said that our schools were segregated they didn't close down the white well,
1: school. But not only were we forced to do that, we also thought that white was better. Their, their their ice was colder. I'm not talking about back during slavery. I'm talking about 60s and 70s now. Right. Yeah, we 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 had on, an, and it's and frankly, the white Jesus symbology is part of that part of what created that white folks are better than black folks mythology that had us wanting to integrate with not the real not, not their, the
2: real teachers.
1: Oh, my relatives love well. my my my, my Well, you need to meet, my, meet my grandparents. I would love to. <laughs> I love to. My, my, my grandmother, Yo, told me. when I was a little boy, and I was and I was crying about a racist incident that happened to me at school. My grandmother told me that that we were the descendants of Ham and Eggs or somebody in the Bible, Ham and Abel or somebody, mm-hmm. and that this was my destiny as a black person. That's what my grandmother told me. Go,
2: but Harry Belafonte, when he money um, for the Underground Railroad Freedom Center. In Ohio, he had mm-hmm. a D. And he had he has a song on here, um, and a reenactment of a white preacher preaching to the to the slave, and he's telling the slave the Ten Commandments are, don't steal your master's chickens and hogs, and the slaves mm-hmm. are saying yes, master, yes, master. But as soon as that so-called slave church and preaching was over. They went into the hush harvest and they had real church where they used the Bible as a way to scheme to get free. So the point is you had some people who bought into the the white man's, the slave owner's uh, version of the Bible, which was not the Bible. They, just, they didn't even know how to read themselves. So then you had the people who really stole the Bible, and as many of them say, even Frederick Douglass, they stole their education. They stopped. Nobody, nobody forced the Bible or reading and writing on the slaves. Frederick said that education would make a bad slave, something to that effect. So this notion that white people, the slave master, want to introduce Jesus to to the to the slaves to make them a better slaves is absurd. You can't do it both ways. You can't say one minute you want them to learn about Jesus and read the Bible, and at the same time say. But well, if they read the Bible and they and they learn how to read, period, we're going to kill
1: them in the white them. Can't have it both ways. And what I said was, and I and I know it's true, that the myth of the white Jesus has hurt this con, the self concept of black folks. That's what I said. It's the white. Now okay. I think it was it, it, like when, when, what, Richard, what Richard Allen was doing with an African based Christian concept was helpful to us in terms of. The power that was built in that, but
2: mm-hmm. as you know,
1: that's, that's been watered down. It ain't the same. Say it again. It ain't the same. I said, as you know, that Richard Allen's Church, and, and, and as he created it, don't exist. Right.
2: Look now, the new god in the church is a dollar bill. Unfortunately, yep. It's about yep. getting you know how to get money, how to how you know, to save all, save your soul, and give it all your problems. And I think yep. we should end this end this show. On that note, because we agree with that point, and you have to come back on, and you probably will be hosting a couple of my shows. Hopefully, you'll agree to do it. And um, thanks for entertaining me. Uh, my thoughts.
1: Not a problem. I have to it's do a lot of editing tonight. to edit the show, but
2: <laughs> I'll keep it for me and you. It'll be it'll be our keepsake. All yeah. right.
1: So you have a good night. All right, sister. You do the same. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.